0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin, and uh, we are back for another week after a uh, crazy, crazy weekend at UFC 279. Uh, probably one of the wildest weekends in terms of changes to a card, uh, how it all unfolded, uh, just a insane, insane turn of events. Uh, unfortunately, I had planned on actually breaking everything down with a special guest today, but unfortunately, uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was going to jump on with me, break down all the happenings from UFC 279, but he had to cancel at the last minute. Now, that being said, we will have a great interview today with former UFC welterweight champion and now star of Cobra Kai Season 5, Tyron Woodley is going to join me here in just a few minutes to talk about his uh, his joining the show, um, you know, how that whole thing came about starring in Cobra Kai, which I finished the season over the weekend. I loved that show, grew up a huge Karate Kid fan. You will not find a bigger Cobra Kai fan on the planet. I have my Eagle Fang and Cobra Kai t-shirts in the closet, so I'm a big, big fan of that show and the entire Karate Kid series. So talking to Tyron about all that and, it is, and his fight career as well. Uh, It was a lot of fun. We talked about Jake Shields, Anderson Silva. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. So unfortunately, I won't have as in-depth of a breakdown as I wanted with uh, with Wonder Boy, but I will still talk a little bit about UFC 279 real quick because... It was uh, boy, I, to, to quote Dana White, and you know not to not to get crude or anything here, but it, it was a bit of a shit show. Uh, you know, we go from the press conference getting canceled on Thursday because of the backstage altercations with Hamzat Shamayev and not to not to throw the guy under the bus or anything, but it, it sure seems like Hamza was kind of in the middle of everything. You know, he had a he had a fracas with uh, with Kevin Holland, and he had a, a thing with Nate Diaz and his team, and not to say anyone's absolved from it, but uh, but it definitely seemed like uh, Hamza was in the middle of everything so uh yeah that was that so we start there on thursday the whole press conference gets canceled that was a weird one uh you know we've never really seen something like that happen where the backstage altercations actually cause the entire press conference to get canceled and then roll right into friday morning it seemed like thursday seemed like a distant memory by friday morning because i started getting reports that uh hamzat may miss weight uh, I got a report about that early on Friday morning, that he was not going to make weight, and it was an issue. Uh, then I heard he was going to weigh at least 178 pounds. He ended up being 178.5. The fight with Nate Diaz got scrapped. We ended up switching the entire card around. Every every fight of the three main fights on the main card got switched around. So we had Li Jing, Liang. Daniel Rodriguez, we had Kevin Holland against Hamza Chamaev and Nate Diaz against Tony Ferguson. Um, just a, I mean, you you could not have written this if you were trying to like figure out the most wild, insane things to happen. At UFC 279, no one would have predicted that particular thing happening. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, so then moving on to Saturday to the fights themselves, of course. You know, Li Jing Liang loses a close you know, close decision to Daniel Rodriguez. I know a lot of people are calling it a robbery. Um, I scored Li Jing Liang winning, but I don't think it was such a blowout that that I thought it was a robbery. Close fight, yes. Um, Did Li Jing, Jing Liang probably deserve the victory? I would say yes, but I'm not like I'm not I'm not totally shocked at the decision. It wasn't the most impactful fight, and I think when you have those kind of fights where there were no definitive moments, it does make it a little harder to score because there were some pretty even exchanges. It seemed like both guys were were kind of tentative to engage at points. It, it did feel like, you know, Lee landed the bigger strikes and and he did more impact, so it, by that regard he should have won, but I I don't know. I I I I tend to I tend not to to call robbery unless it's really egregious where it's just like so clear-cut that it's a real big problem and I just didn't quite see it in that fight. But that being said, you know, I still thought Lee Jingling deserved the win. Co-main event, you know, Hamza Chamayev comes out there and, and kind of lays waste to Kevin Holland in, in two minutes, you know, basically runs out, takes him down, and eventually snaps on the Darst choke to get the submission. Um, got a lot of thoughts on Hamza Chamayev. Listen, the guy missed weight by seven and a half pounds for a welterweight fight. Now, first off, that's, I mean, that should ruin his prospects of getting a title shot anytime soon. One fight, two fight, I just don't think you can – you you can't – I mean, it's not like he missed it by a pound. It's not like he missed it by half a pound. It's not like he didn't shave his beard and he didn't get on the scale and he missed weight. He missed it by seven and a half pounds. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Uh, and, and you can't – and one thing, you know, Conor McGregor put the tweet out on, on Friday, I believe, or Saturday, saying, you know, you reward the guy by basically changing the entire card around – and, and he doesn't get penalized. He doesn't. And, and and in a way, you know, in that way, I totally agree with Connor. I mean, what does it say to the next guy or girl who just doesn't want to cut weight? And, and, you know, they have, I mean, again, this is all going around star power. Hamzat is a star. Hamzat was part of the big selling point of this card. So rather than penalize him for completely botching the main event and, and completely botching his weight cut, they switched the entire card around. The crazy part is because he came in at 178.5 and they ended up moving him into the catchweight fight with, with Kevin Holland, he didn't even have to pay a fine. Think about that. The guy ruins the main event and doesn't and, and then you know basically has to switch the entire card around and he doesn't even get penalized for it. How wild is that? And and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to them changing things around, but it just seemed like such a bad move because this is going to happen again. I mean, it's going to happen again. And is it going to come down every single time to star power? Is it really just going to come down to, well, you sell pay-per-views or you bring ratings, so we're going to change an entire card around for you? Um, and I fe- in a way, I felt bad for Kevin Holland as well because, you know, yes, he accepted the fight. Yes, from what I heard, he got paid really well for it. Good for him. All those things are great, and he should have. He should have gotten paid a just a bag of cash. They should have shown up you know just just they should have shown up like it was the town and they're just hauling out bags of cash to Kevin Holland's house for doing what he did to take that fight. I mean he was facing a boxer in Daniel Rodriguez already on short notice. Let's not forget that fight got made like 3 weeks ago and he goes from that a boxer in Daniel Rodriguez to a wrestler, a dominant wrestler that in Hamza Chamaya without I mean, I'm not—again, you're a mixed martial artist. You should know wrestling. Yes, we all know that. We all like to say that. But you still drill for a specific opponent. Look at Nate Diaz. He talked about that in his fight with Tony Ferguson. He had been drilling, grappling, and wrestling nonstop to get ready for Hamzat. Then he goes from that to Tony Ferguson, which is a complete different stylistic matchup. Um, again, it was quick. It was over. He got he got out-grappled. He got out-grappled. He got submitted. And and credits to Hamzat for not screwing around. He probably knew— you know, Kevin Holland, you know, potentially was a more dangerous opponent than Nate Diaz because, you know, I still maintain Nate Diaz isn't a welterweight. He really isn't. I mean, he he didn't look tiny in there against Tony Ferguson, but let's not forget Tony Ferguson isn't a welterweight either. Uh Throughout his career, Tony Ferguson has not been a welterweight. So, you know, for them to go in there and do that. And so, you know, I feel bad for Kevin, you know, but again, credit. Kevin stepped up. He took the fight. He got paid, a, a, you know, a, a big bag load of money. Good for him. But, yeah, he went out there and not grappled him and submitted him, and that's part of the sport. And the downside of this is that, you know, Hamza, you know, Dana calls him an effing freak in nature and, you know, praises him left, right, and center. You know, Kevin Holland's going to go home with a loss on his record. I mean, I I put out when when Kevin Holland released his post-fight statement saying, I want a striker next time, I want Wonder Boy or I want uh, D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez, uh, after losing a quote-unquote grappling match, to Hamza. And I already have people on Twitter saying, well, it's MMA. You have to know everything. That's my point about these short notice fights. Why I always say, if you accept a short notice fight, we should praise you. But if you don't, we should never condemn you because people have already forgotten. People forgot that Kevin Holland already took the Daniel Rodriguez fight on three weeks notice. And then just completely discount the fact that he took the Hamza Chumaya fight on 24 hours notice. He lost. It's a loss on his record, and people are going to ask him and talk about that for years, about how he got went out there, got taken down, and submitted in two minutes. People will forget the narrative that surrounded how that fight comes together. Those are the factors you have to play in to all these decisions. When fighters say they're going to take a short-notice fight or they accept a short-notice fight and then they lose – you know, we all lose perspective. We, we're all guilty of it. We look at the record. We look at the resume. It doesn't say Kevin Holland lost to Hamza Chimaev, quote, you know, in parentheses, took the fight on 24 hours notice after fighting a striker. No, it just says loss. That's it. And it has the submission, it has the time, 202 or whatever in the first round. People, six months from now, a year from now, they're barely going to mention that he lost to him on short notice. They're barely going to mention that it came together on 24 hours notice. They're going to mention that he got taken down and out grappled and submitted inside about three minutes. That's what they're going to talk about. So that's the problem and the risk you take in these kind of situations. Uh, I don't think, you know, me personally, I don't really think Kevin Holland loses a ton of stock. I mean, he lost to legitimately one of the best fighters in the world, and he wasn't prepared for him, but it is a loss. And and there's going to be people who are now going to suddenly say they don't want to fight Kevin Holland because he's coming off a loss. He got he got mauled by Hamza Chemaev. I don't really want to fight that guy. It's a, it's a weird, weird way this sport works. Now, Hamza looked phenomenal. Hamza went out there and, and, and wrecked shop. He looked fantastic, but he did it. Out of his weight class, he wants to be welterweight champion. You can't put that guy anywhere near a welterweight title for at least two or three fights till you can see and he can prove that he can make that weight. Me personally, he was already talking about fighting a 185 in the future. Let him go to 185. Let him go to middleweight. You know, there's lot. I mean, to me, in a weird way, there's a there's now a faster path hypothetically to a title shot at middleweight because if Homsai goes out there and wins one more fight. And I think it should be the Paulo Costa fight. They had beef. They almost got into it at the UFC PI. We know the story. The video came out. If you put Hamzat in there with one middleweight, put him in there with Paulo Costa, he wins. He gets the winner of Adesanya and and Pagella right there. I mean, yeah, you could hypothetically say if if Alex Paheya goes out there and knocks out Alexander Adesanya, they do the immediate rematch. But you know, Hamzat. Could get a title because there's no one else. I mean, there's literally no one else at middleweight right now, unless Alex wins, which he very ma- very well may do. There's no one else for Adesanya. Adesanya versus Hamzat is a much bigger fight than anything else they could book at middleweight. Now, you could argue Hamzat, you know, could get the winner of Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman three when that fight, assuming that fight happens in early uh, early 2023. But again, do you really want to risk that? I mean, he's going to have to fight a Colby Covington. He's going to have to fight, you know, somebody else at welterweight to prove he can even make the weight. You know what I mean? You got to. And to me, it's two or three fights. I mean, there's got to be consistency. I know this is the first time he's not made weight, but let's not kid ourselves. He's had tough weight cuts before. We've seen it. Now he's gone out there and performed and won. And that's very possible, but when you miss weight by 7.5 pounds, and that's a non-title fight, let's not forget, 178.5, that was a title fight, he's 8.5 pounds over. That's bad. Okay, that's bad. And this fight didn't come together on short notice. It wasn't like he found out about this a month ago. He knew this was coming. So this was just a completely miscalculated issue with Hamza Chimaev, and you can't put him in a title fight for a couple fights, in my opinion. You gotta make—he's gotta prove he can consistently make the weight again and do so in a, in a safe manner. Uh, which is also—you know, the doctors are telling him we're not gonna let you cut any more weight. That's a problem. I mean, I had heard that they were talking about taking him to the hospital, which would have pretty much wrecked him from fighting at all. So credit to him for getting the win. But you can't put him in title fight to welterweight. I mean, not anytime soon. He's got to go out there and fight one or maybe even two times. I think two times would be minimum. Or go to middleweight, fight Paulo Costa, huge fight. If you win, you get the winner out of Sanya Pejea. And you get your title shot, and then if he can do it, he can do the rare instance instead of going up, he goes down. Maybe then he tries his hand at, at, at welterweight. But yeah, I just I don't know. Like I said, I agree with Connor. You're rewarding a guy for missing weight, and ultimately he really didn't get punished. He didn't lose a percentage of purse of his purse. Um, you know, he doesn't really lose any ground in the division because so it's not like he lost. It's a problem. The main event, of course, was Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson. Nate Diaz went out there and did the damn thing on the last fight of his contract, looking to get out of the UFC. Goes out there and fights and beats Tony Ferguson. Was it the greatest fight in history of the sport? Absolutely not. Was it still fun to see two legends go out there and battle it out? Hundred percent. You know, again, both guys were expecting much different opponents. You know, Tony Ferguson taking on a big, you know, strong. Uh welterweight and Li Jing Liang. Dana, you know, of course Nate Diaz was taking on Hamza Chamayev. So uh they went out there and battled it out, man. And Nate, you know, Nate caught him in that guillotine choke in the fourth round. And and you could not have written a better script for Nate Diaz as he looks to leave the UFC and then to test the waters and free agency elsewhere. Um I know Nate I was actually shocked because I know from talking to people close to Nate how you know upsetting and angry he was about this long delay to get him a fight. I mean, his last fight was in July of 2021. He wanted to fight much sooner because he wanted to be done with this contract. Delays, matchups with Dustin Poirier were talked about, never came together. All these things happened, and he ends up in this fight. Doesn't even get to fight Hamzat Chimaev. Ends up with Tony Ferguson. But afterwards, could not have, could not have, could not have uh, predicted that he would go out there and say, you know, basically, thanks for everything, UFC, and I'll be back. Did not see that coming. Got to be honest. I don't know if that was a conversation he had with, Nate, uh, with uh, Dana White backstage or Hunter Campbell or who it was, but it seemed like the, the turn of events for Nate Diaz going from like, you know, I was I I fully expected like a just a full throated Nate Diaz you know uh you know crazy post fight interview and then storming out of the cage not showing up to post not showing up at the post fight press conference and basically walking out with his uh, with his freedom that didn't happen he was basically saying I'm gonna go out and do some other things you know, try to try to do what Conor McGregor didn't do, which, you know, means go out there and win fights in boxing, and then uh, and then come back. Now, he's 37. Let's not forget that. He's, you know, Nate Diaz is not a young man anymore. You know, Nate Diaz is an, is, a, is an older guy, so it's not like he has a ton of time really ahead of him in terms of the sport. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, you booked the Jake Paul fight. Um, you know, Jake's got the fight coming up with Anderson Silva. That's going to be huge. But, you know, you booked Nate against Jake, um you know that's a big fight he'll get paid well there's other opportunities out there for him in other in other organizations i'm sure you know there was a little bit of beef with uh, aj mckee if bellator wants to pony up a whole boatload of money to get nate diaz over there on a a short fight deal they could do that uh that might entice aj mckee to stay with bellator longer i don't know um he ain't going to PFL. I highly doubt that. Even for the million dollar prize, I mean that's you know that's just not going to get an AD as up in the morning. But you know again, Jake Paul, um, other influencer fights. I mean, if you saw. Whether you like it or not, and I said this last week, coming off the whole KSI thing, uh, the social gloves card this past week—it was Austin McBroom and Anson Gibb and, and and Nick Young and and Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson. Dude, the interest in that card was insane online. Now I don't know how the numbers did on pay-per-view. I don't know how much Fight TV sold. I just know that the interest in terms of people clicking on results and clicking on stories was in freaking insane. People were all over that on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. People were all over that social gloves card. Uh, Like it or not. Again, I'm not telling you you have to like it. I'm just saying it's here to stay. It ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Nate Diaz against against KSI. That would be a big fight. I don't care how legitimate it is. It would be a big fight. So Nate Diaz has options, and I love that. Uh, And now he's going to become one of the biggest free agents in the history of the sport. He's going to have people bidding for his services. Nate Diaz is a legitimate star. Was a lot of that built upon his rivalry with Conor McGregor? Sure, but who cares? He's got it now. He's got that that status, and he should absolutely cash in on it, whether it's Jake Paul or KSI or Logan Paul or whatever. Make your money, and I love it. I don't know about him coming back and winning a UFC title. I don't know if that's going to happen. He may go out and see that, you know, the grass is greener elsewhere and just make a boatload of money and be, do- be gone. But I love I, I that he has his freedom. I love that he got out of his contract, and I love that uh, he did it in a very classy way. He could have he gone scorched earth. I fully expected scorched earth Nate Diaz to show up, and he didn't. I'm fine with that, but it was just so bizarre. Like he was very gracious and uh you know saying, you know, I'll be back and you know I want to win the UFC title, it's the best title. And I was like, whoa, this is not the Nate Diaz I thought we were gonna get. I thought we were gonna go, you know, we're gonna lay waste to the UFC on the way out the door. Didn't happen. But whatever Nate Diaz does next, we're all gonna be watching. I guarantee that. Whatever move it is, Jake Paul or otherwise. And he is going to be at the Jake Paul fight. His uh, teammate, Chris Avila, is going to fight on the undercard. So that should be interesting. All right. Getting through UFC 279. Of course, this weekend, we got UFC Fight Night from Vegas with uh, Corey Sandhagen and Song Yudong. Um Had Corey on the show last week. So if you missed that interview... Go back and check out my interview with Corey Sanhagen on last week's installment of Fighter vs. the Rider. But right now, haven't had a chance to catch up with this guy in quite a while. We just actually passed a little over a month ago, a couple weeks ago, we passed the one year anniversary of his first fight with Jake Paul. Uh, And that is UFC, former UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley. Uh, The reason I wanted to talk with him this time is because if you are a fan of the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai, which just dropped on Netflix a matter of days ago, Tyron Woodley is starring in the new season of Cobra Kai, season five. Loved the season. Tyron was great in it. Did some incredible action scenes. Got to do some action scenes with uh with some OGs of the game, Johnny Lawrence, William Zabka, which was really cool. Um I like I said I love Cobra Kai. I, I'm such a geek for that show. I grew up on Karate Kid. That was that might have been one of the biggest influences on me getting into martial arts was seeing the Karate Kid when I was a kid. I love it. So I want to talk about that with Tyron. We also, of course, do talk about Jake Paul. We talk about Jake Paul Anderson Silva, which is coming up. We'll get his thoughts on that and a whole lot more. So right now, here is my interview with Tyron Woodley. He is the former UFC welterweight champion, one of the greatest welterweights of all time, and he is one of the busiest men in the world, including a role in the upcoming season of Cobra Kai, which I am super excited about. I am always happy to speak to Tyron Woodley. T. Uh, T Wood, how are you? I'm doing good. Of just
1: a little, a little, a little, legally driving and um, you know, I me mean? knocking out this interview. But I wanted to, to, to talk with you because I know you've been asking me about the Cobra Kai thing. Um, Wonder Boy actually licked a little snippet about it earlier um that he was supposed to. It was his first film that he worked on, so he just didn't know the proper way to kind of promote it. So then people started asking questions: Am I a Cobra Kai? And, is Wonder Boy and Cobra Kai, and then um, once he posted that picture, they added a little small blurb of me and him on a trailer, so you can kind of tease the fact that we're in there. But they're not really going to talk much about it until today, which is the premiere. So I'm golfing real quick. That's why you see the golf drip. And then I'm heading over um, to get cut up, you know, and get suited and booted to go to the Cobra Kai um, premiere for season five.
0: Absolutely, that's awesome. I was so excited when they put the trailer out. Uh, I was like, hold on. I know that guy. I know that guy. I saw you step off the yeah. plane. I was like, I know that guy. And I got excited about the tweet right away. You've been doing the acting thing for a while, and you've done a lot of big roles, Tyrone. But this one, I don't know. Like, Were you a Karate Kid fan growing up? I imagine everybody was, right?
1: This one kind of hit different because Karate Kid 1 is why I even – Started started martial arts in my just in general, you know what I mean. Um, one second, it's the sorry about that. Karate That's Kid right. One is a reason why I started martial arts in general. Um, so watching Danielson and watching Johnny and watching the whole thing, it's a classic film. And I suggest anyone who has not seen Karate Kid One, not the one James Smith, that was a smash as well, but the original original Karate Kid One. Um, it's still a movie right now that I feel like if you play it no matter how old or how young, you will still appreciate the movie. So just being able to start martial arts based upon that film, and then what I did in martial arts, landed me a role in Cobra Kai, and I get to work side by side with these people that I looked up to for so long. And, um yeah, it was just a full circle moment for me. I'm excited about it. And, um yeah, you know, I got the – I got a little ink to prove it. You know what oh, mean?
0: nice. I've, I've had this for
1: so long. I fought Jake Paul with it. Nobody really paid attention and stripped off what it was. But I've had it since I did it. I, I did it while I was on set.
0: Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. You know, it's funny because uh, you know K- Karate Kid, like in MMA, it's not, like it's still huge. Like fighters walk out to the Karate Kid theme song. Yeah. People type in, you. Know, you hear it every single UFC event. I know you heard it. Someone yells, "Put him in a body bag." Without failure, somebody yells that at a UFC event. Yeah. Without failure, every single event. You you've done a lot of cool things in your career in terms of your acting career. I remember when you did out Compton, when you did Agents of Shield, you did a lot of cool things. But like, was this one? where you actually got to kind of geek out a little bit, like you're like, I'm in Cobra Kai. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, in, I'm
1: in there, like, I'm straight Cobra Kai. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle, of a culture. It's like the number one um, number one film on Netflix every time it comes out, you know what I mean? So to be able to be on a, a franchise like that with a pretty strong role in, a, in the actual entire season, it was a big deal for me. And uh, I'm going side by side with, johnny and daniel you know I me mean? so it's like it's a real thing and it's i'll be very noticeable um and and my character has a strong presence with it like that and when you look at oh, a karate kid think about this a karate kid in a sporting mixed martial art is like a diamond in the rough right you got a lot of wrestlers you got a lot of strikers you got a lot of jiu guys you got very few guys that can use, utilize the sport of karate and excel at a level, right? Or Leo de Machida did or Steven Thompson, right? Very Absolutely. Few. I would say those are the top two. We've had others. George St. Pierre, um, you got to throw him in there. He came from a, a karate background and whoever else. I might be leaving some others out, but it's not even a 1%, right? It's a 0.0-something percent of the people that can specialize at karate and have success. Wonder Boy. In my opinion, him and Leo to Machida one and two, right? I don't know who's one. I don't know who's two. But to figure him out, to train the fight, it was the hardest, most expensive. I spent uh, six figures in training camps to try to figure out. And seven, seven fight, win streak, knocking everybody out, very hard to deal with. I think still today he's the quickest welterweight. I was, may have been the fastest, most powerful. But he was quick. I saw what he was doing, and it still touched me. I saw him about to do a step-off side kick, and it still hit me in the neck. Right, that's dangerous when you can like make that decision at the last minute to do something. So now he's with me. We're on the same squad. <laughs> in Cobra Kai. That's a whole movie itself.
0: That's so uh... a. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, Tyron, like when you've done acting, you know, you obviously you've done action roles, you've done, you know, a lot of acting, but like this is one where you're actually kind of going into your roots a little bit with martial arts. And I've seen the actors talk about like the training they do because it's a very physical show. You know, you have to, you can't yeah. look, you have to look like you know what you're doing. How was that? Because you know, you know, you know how it's supposed to look, you know, how real martial arts yeah, look, you've you been I'm in there. And I
1: know my dogs too. So shout out to my dog, um, uh, Don Lee, uh, Ken Bakersfield, they, they literally are martial artists by heart, um, supreme athletes. They've done these choreograph- choreography for so long. And what you're finding out is all these stunt coordinators, stunt performers are now becoming directors. So when you watch the, the movie with Jamie Foxx and um, Snoop Dogg, that's, that's J.J. Perry, taekwondo guy, stunt performer, stunt coordinator, second unit director, now director. My friend Len Odian, which I'm going to golf with right now, He's the one that got me in a straight out of Compton, but he's also now um, NCIS Hawaii, uh, Chicago Med, all these big features, as because they understand the action, they've learned the storyline, they learned the cameras, but they know the action. And right now, people want to see action. So if you from that world, um, it makes a, makes it makes a TV show, Netflix, whatever, it makes it that much better. So when you look at Cobra Kai, these are martial artists, right? They're hiring martial artists. It's a whole Cobra Kai gym that you see on TV, but it's also one that we have, which I got keys to, a personal gym, like a full-out, we can do anything. We can film a whole movie in there, right? So they're committed to giving the, the the people that are bringing the action there, they're committed to giving us everything that we need. All the actors have to come in. They have to train with us. So I train most of the actors, not just the choreography, just martial arts. So they look it and feel it because... Being authentic is huge. Nobody want to see a, a, a movie and it's good. and like, Oh, my God. If I think so we know that she wasn't
0: real. Right? Absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask, uh, Tyron, because you mentioned earlier, you know, Wonder Boy is the guy who comes from karate. So you kind of think like that that's kind of his background. How was it for you doing the karate? Like, I know you, you, you do everything. Oh, to hey, smart, hey, but we'll how was it for I, you? I-
1: it wasn't my background, but guess what? It became a part of it. It's like when Freddy Krueger, you see eat all the damn people in the nightmares, and everybody became like a pepperoni or something on his face, right? <laughs> he took the experience. So when every time I fought, a jiu-jitsu guy became a better jiu-jitsu player because I'm not just going to learn how to defend. No, I'm going to try to do that to somebody else. It's stuff that I've learned from Wonderboy, from learning you know, the reasons why he do certain things that I now have a part of my game. You know what I mean? I may not have had the opportunity or I may have had the opportunity and not shown it, but I have those wrinkles now just from studying the kid. Um, so it wasn't hard for me at all. Like I, I understand it. I know how fast, I know the chamber, I know the control, I know the oh uh, yeah. I'm all into it. When I when I go ham, I'm going ham. So I'm going 10. I'm all with the Kias, I'm all with the high yards. everything that go with it. So it'll be very believable. I think my fans and just the fans of the series. Cause I don't want to come on the series and do the series no justice, right? I think fans of me, fans of martial arts, and fans of Cobra Kai as a series are gonna be pleased.
0: Yeah, you mentioned working with the the legends, of course, guys. You know, like you know Ralph Macchio is on the show, of course, and 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 the, yeah. all the the guys. How does it working with the younger kids? Cause you're 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 a sensei, oh, you're man, a teacher. Like,
1: with the younger kids, Hawk and look Jacob. Um, do Um, I train them all too, and they like they so young, but they they like my little brothers. Um, Devin. I was very impressed with him. Um, he plays Kenny on the show. This is going to be a breakout season for him. As Not only is Cobra Kai, he's going to get a lot, a lot, a lot of roles after this. He's very believable. He learns quick. He's a natural at it. Um, he very seldomly use a stunt double for. And I only saw once or twice. And it was a part where, where, you know, me and him was kind of going. And he, you know I mean, he's a little kid. You know what I mean? I'm 40 years old. So a, a touch to me may not be a touch to him. And I had to walk him through it. Come on, let me see his chin, man. Let me stretch you out, da da da, because you don't know how to check a leg kick, right? Yeah. And, and just to see those guys grow and what they have to do, they have to go to school the same amount of hours they film. So we may be in a the heart of a great scene and close to getting it done, and they may have to stop and go and do school for two hours, <laughs> And then come back and film for two hours. Yeah. So the younger the younger cast, man, they got they got a a great cast and crew, obviously. Um, everybody makes you want to invest into them. And when you got a show like that, that's why it's number one. Like the, the, the Cobra Kai side, the other side, it's so many different kids that their story makes you want to just follow. Them.
0: Yeah. You, uh, you know, I, I know you weren't necessarily the first fighter to ever do acting, but you were one of the first fighters to ever do it seriously. Like, you know, getting bigger roles and things I'm like that. i the first
1: fighter that nobody talks about that's been in the most, films of any fighter ever Ronda Rossi and Randy Couture included and Randy's my dog so don't, no shade on none of that but I've been in some big big franchise movie Cutthroat City was number one um, Cobra Kai's number one I did Asians of S.H.I.E.L.D., Sons of Anarchy, um, Last Ship, Night Ship, um, Office Uprising where I was freaking college douchebag so I did everything Escape Plan 2 was Salon Batista I was a Nigerian I had an accident in that so I've done a lot of different things a lot of TV shows, a lot of gaming shows. They're and out twice. I did the Titan game. Uh, I just did um, a show called I don't know. I can't talk about that. I did a show in Ireland um, that's coming out. Yeah, so I've done gaming shows, reality shows, and I, you know, I signed a deal for my own show. So I've been kind of doing this by myself on a different level. But now I have a great team with UTA. Um, so I have agents and, and things like that that really put me in position to do well.
0: Yeah. Do you actually, now you have more time to do it. Like, has that been a focus? Cause like when I saw the Cobra Kai thing, I got excited because that is such a big show. Like I'm sure it takes a lot of time and dedication to go in there. Do that. You can't do it over a couple of days. You're there filming for weeks, maybe months at a time. So do you have yeah, the time Atlanta, now like where you can little, kind of dedicate it?
1: Um, I had like a little place in Atlanta for a while, you know, they just pay for our housing. So instead of us doing a hotel room all those days, I just got a little small short term rental kind of deal where I was there. I can cook, I can, you know what I mean, wash clothes. And I was, you know, thank God I was training because I was training and I told my coach to stay ready. I did take a couple of weeks off where I could have been training a little bit harder, but the martial art was keeping me moving. And then also I was doing some boxing there because Atlanta, I trained with Manu um, at Madhouse. So I was able to get in with him. And thankfully and luckily I was on Saturday at Cobra Kai and I got a call from Nikisa, Jake Paul's manager, and said, hey, man, you know, what they doing this interview, all these people are wondering if we paid you to throw the fight, man. I think you should come out and talk about it. And I was like, shit, I ain't talking about nothing because if they're talking about me, then they're talking. I don't have to prefer Some people think I'm retired. Some people took out through the fight. Some people think all this other stuff. As long as people are thinking some shit about you, then you're you in the clear. When they <laughs> stop talking about you and they stop thinking about you, that's when you got to go and fucking... Do something that you think is gonna draw attention, which I don't do things without. So he hit me about that. And I said, well, I'm gonna be real with you, Nikisa. I'm probably not gonna do it because that's not really where I'm on right now. I don't gotta defend myself. And um, you guys maybe should not even try to defend yourself either. I said, well, let me sleep on it. If I wake up and gotta change your heart, I'll let you know, right? And then he kinda of threw in a little plug about, yeah, I don't man, Tommy Fury, they're giving us heartaches about getting over here. Into the stakes, man. I'm like, well, you already know my number. He shouldn't be fighting Tommy anyway. So, can let me know. The next day, he hit me and say, like, "So, what if hypothetical?" So I said, "If we in a hypotheticals, motherfucker, you need me. So, <laughs> you in Atlanta? I'm in Atlanta filming Cobra Kai. I'm off on this date. Let's go grab some food. We grab some food. I I say yes immediately." And I had two weeks to get ready. And I was filming 14-hour days. Sometimes we didn't finish filming until 1 a.m. My coach don't care. He trained Floyd Mayweather. What time you see Floyd running at nighttime? Three, four, five, six, the one. They don't care. So when I wrapped on set of Cobra Kai, I was training 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. They get up and film all day again. And then they let my coach come on set. And I can train in between if we didn't have a scene and then they altered the choreography. I was supposed to do a f- couple more stunts. They, they they changed the choreography and had another person do a couple more beats so that I can leave on time and rapidly be, to, to basically be done so I can actually go and train. You know how the film war works, right? We didn't rap and my part was a very significant part to the episode. They, the whole episode was basically, I mean the whole episode was kind of climaxing to that point. So I had to do it. I committed to that. So I can't pull out. So on Thursday we wrap at two in the morning, but we still didn't get to my part. Now it's a film. I committed to the film. I got to continue to film. Friday. I was supposed to be in Tampa, right? So I stayed in Atlanta Friday. I flew my entire family out Saturday so they could see me off. I don't fight without seeing my family. So I flew everybody to Atlanta. They got on the set of Cobra Kai. Um, my son's in Cobra Kai, my oldest son. He is a partner in um, there. I just threw that in on, on the low. <laughs> so so then um, they came out there, and my coach stayed, security stayed, and I trained Saturday, Sunday. Monday, I wrapped up. I finished what they needed me to do. I hopped right on the plane. I went right to Tampa, right from there.
0: That's Anything wild. I
1: needed my house, yeah. And I told them, I said, it's a mind thing. I said, I will be in better shape than him. He will be the one that's looking tired. Go back and watch the fight. I was winning the fight. I was bullying him. I, I was walking him down. He looked to be tired. He threw a punch at the same time I dropped my hand. I never, never, ever myself make that more than I got hit with a punch with my hand down. That's all it was. Because of adversity, just to get there, to train, oh my God. At two weeks' notice. <sighs> now, that's including – I'm only calling it two weeks because I didn't have to cut weight to make 192, right? If I had to cut weight like I did in MMA, it would be one week's notice because I can't even count that last week. I was cutting 30 pounds in MMA. I was cutting from 200 to 170 in a week
0: that's wild so you and you could yeah. obviously you couldn't even talk about it right you're filming cobra kai you can't tell people you're filming cobra kai and you're stepping off oh, a I film think... set and stepping into a boxing ring that's insane no so i
1: flew from set everybody knew it they all watched my fight in puerto rico i flew from the set of cobra kai directly to tampa i didn't go home like i told you i couldn't go see my kids i never fight i don't care i don't give a fuck i'm always seeing my kids before i fight right they, that's what I'm fighting for. I need to see their little faces before I get on that plane. So when they get hard in there, I can want to fuck somebody up, right? So I flew them all to Atlanta, right? Flew them all to Atlanta, hung out with them. And then I left Cobra Kai. I flew out either Monday night or Tuesday morning directly to Tampa. And we was in a fight. We got one from kicking, punching, chopping, and blocking to writing this dude face talking shit in the press conference with no break
0: in between that's wild. That is so insane to go from that. And you're like I said, you're on a film so You're in a different mindset, right? Like you're in a whole different mindset, yeah. acting and being on set and I, then going into I'm that. Trying
1: to it, oh, I'm trying to make it. believable. But I'm my hands can't be by my face. You block your face. That's not how stunt work works. You you throw it from underneath your chest and chin, and you make it look, um, you make it look very exposed and very ah wild and loopy, right? Boxing is a complete opposite. Hands up, tight, straight, clean. A to B, get to the target quick, move out towards right? Karate and especially the stunt scenes is, ah, you give me a little bit, ah, I give you a little bit, ah, I look like I'm gonna <sighs> ah, I came from the depths, right? That ain't nothing to fucking do with what we do in martial arts, right? That's for film. But in real life, it's hit not get hit. Damage and not get damaged, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, so my mindset is not only just eating craft services and laughing and doing a scene and maybe having a whole day off to, all right, this dude gonna try to knock my fucking head off. And I said that, and I said, I said, he got the power to knock me out, and I know that. But I got the power to knock you out too, and you know that. So, when you come to fight tomorrow, I am, I want you to know that. In every depth in your body, every little vein that's popping, pumping the pulse, I'm going to try to hurt you tomorrow. He said, I'm going to try to hurt you, too. And that, we kind of agreed to try to hurt each other the day before.
0: Yeah, that's so wild. Cobra
1: Kai, shout out to Cobra Kai. Shout out to all the guys that supported me. My man, Ken Bakersfield. I love you, my man. Appreciate you. He also is a second director on Stranger Things, um, Collegiate, D1 football player. But really just use that mindset. That's why we thrived together. Um, Don Lee, we did our first damn movie together, Olympus is falling way back when he always includes me on every film that he does i appreciate him he's a real solid dude and um i feel like the integrity of this season was there he got his first um he got his first directorial debut i was able to be the person he was directing that meant a lot to me um, shout out to literally are, are like rocket scientists they, yeah. make, they they every demographic, they get every person, every age, and then make everybody buy in. It. And it's not, I watch them, I listen to them, I hear the rationale, why they're doing certain things, and you gotta you got to give them credit where it's due.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. Can I ask real quick, you mentioned all the craziness surrounding that and actually going into the Jake Paul fight. You couldn't even really talk about it because you're on a freaking film set leaving there to go fight. Can I ask real quick, did you see the news, Jake Paul and Anderson Silva? I did see that, man.
1: I don't, I don't stay up with the internet a lot. I just do it to tap, tap in with my fans here and there and, you know, pay a couple of lights here and there. You know what I mean? But I just try, I'm, I'm in a process of living life. We sit there and we scroll so much. We watching it on the phone, but I'm trying to get out there and live it. So, but I did see that. I think it's a good fight. Um, when I hear people say, oh, now he's finally fighting the real fighter. That shit right here is funny. Um, but Anderson is a good boxer. I would say he was one of the best boxers in MMA. I feel like um, I gotta biasly say Jorge Masvidal, in my opinion, is the best boxer we've ever seen in MMA, based upon the fact that he pieced up KJ News in the worst way, and that was supposed to be the best boxer in strike force at the time. And every time we've had a chance against the, um, Nate Diaz or anybody who would just strike Eve Edwards, I was in the corner for that. Um outside of that, Anderson Silva's right up there and a few other guys just pure boxing. So um, I would say maybe on paper. Yeah, I don't, when I say yeah, I say the majority of people that, that are watching you yeah, I think it's a kid, I want to see him just get beat up. It's like the bully that everyone, everyone wants to see somebody teach him a lesson. But it's really a hat trick. He's training his ass off. He's athletic. Um, I saw that again. I know a lot of a lot of people want to see Jake Paul get beat up. You know what I mean? And they want to see him taught a lesson, like the bully on the playground. But he really is a kid without a kid. Um, not very much responsibility. No financial limitations. Um, energy. He makes everything a bucket list and a challenge, right? That's why he likes bets so much. So if he loses, it's not that big of a deal, but he secretly wants to win real bad because he's been fans of the combat sport world for so long. I got so many videos of the babyface Jake Paul wanting to take pictures with me and Logan and being fans of me back in the day that he's just tricking everyone, but he's training his ass off. And he's got KO power, and he's learned when to throw that particular question. He got that timing on. So Anderson Silva, um, I love... I don't even know what to call it. I guess it's comeback. Whatever he's been doing recently in boxing after UFC just tells you recognize, right? If you feel like you're being treated well, you feel good. You know what I mean? You kind of sometimes fight differently, right? You see people that get in happier situations. So I think on the way out, he may have kind of just been going through the motions and, and this new freedom he has, which I have as well and I enjoy it, it gives it gives him that um like a little flame underneath him. So I think you gotta motivated Anderson Silver. You got Jake Paul that no matter what you say, he can deal with media and still fight. Most fighters can right? Absolutely. So he's shown he had no point, no choice from the beginning. That's the way it was. And he's shown that he can fight that way. I think it's a good fight. I'll probably be there.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a good. One. I, I really look forward to it, uh, Tyron, in, in addition to Cobra Kai, you mentioned you're on the golf course. I see you're golfing all the time. By the way, I forgot to say at the top of the interview, and I apologize. Congratulations on your engagement. I saw the photos. That's amazing. Congratulations there. Uh, you're day, golfing. You always got a million things going on. So what? What's coming next? Like you again? Are you, oh, are, you, really you. Like, are you becoming a pro golfer? Like are you doing? Are you doing no, pro golf, way golf way now?
1: <laughs> Celebrity smoke, everybody want to curry. you can get it. I played in a live golf tournament. That's the people that offer T. T. Woods, Tiger Woods, $900 He said no. Um, I just did a Pro-Am tournament in Boston, Massachusetts, a little bit outside Boston last week. I'm probably going to do the one in Chicago. So I, I need that celebrity. I like the competitiveness of it, right? So I'm going to golf right now with my homie, Len Oding. He's one of the directors from Cobra Kai. He got me in the film. He got me training, was found me on MySpace, said, Can you help my homie? EBA was a wrestler. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck Eve is. He seen me in this video, this dude doing all these crazy kicks. I'm like, uh, All right, cool. That's kind of <laughs> how I started training MMA for real. Um, so I, he took me golfing for the first time in February. So this is the second time I'm going golfing with him. I'm late. He's really a stickler on time. So <laughs> I'll uh, crack a joke or two when I walk in. Yeah,
0: so you never gone before February?
1: February 12th was my first day. I golfed with him in Hawaii. He um he said, hey, man, I wish I would invite you to Hawaii. I said, nigga, invite me then. And <laughs> he said, all right, cool. Then he said, all right, um, right, we're filming this NCIS Hawaii tomorrow. I said, all right, cool. He said, but you got to have COVID. He said, all right, cool. I did it right then, 5 a.m. <laughs> the next day I was there, I filmed the show. And he said, you want to go golf? And I said, yeah. I went golfing with him. I bought the most ridiculous everything. Everything Tiger Woods had, Scotty Cameron, putter, stealth driver, um, Jordan four golf shoes and I went golfing. They said, dude, you need to do golf lessons. Like you got got on the green in, in two strokes on a part four. That's not normal. I, I think I don't know if I um I think we birdie put it as a team as a scramble, but for from what I understand, the amount of time I was in golf, I was doing very, very well. So then I did golf lessons every week, top golf every week. Now I golf three or four days a week. So now he get to see me after that from February to now. So I'm I'm gonna try to surprise you
0: <laughs> Well you always guess gotta what,
1: mil- what, what I'm about, I wanna flip the camera. Guess where I'm about to golf at I'm about to golf in a golf course called Woodley Lake golf
0: course. <laughs> nice, nice
1: nice avenue right now. I don't know if it's this-
0: Oh, yeah, I see it. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> uh, you always got to put the seats. You know
1: why? Because people will swear you a lot.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. You never. I saw you. I saw you both on the golf photos. I was like, oh, you must have been golfing for a while. You've been golfing for like 10 months. That's crazy. This, February is like, that's. I'm like
1: seven months I think, up.
0: That's crazy. That's so crazy. Uh Tyron, uh, I appreciate you doing this on short notice. Uh, obviously Cobra Kai no dropping. I cannot wait. Want to
1: tell you fans, I know you're gonna get motion sickness, not because of the waves <laughs> on top of my head, but because of the way I've been swerving and flipping the camera and jumping back <laughs> on and off. But you can hear my audio. This is a real from the realist. Damn, I appreciate you, my dog. Be blessed. I'm gonna get out of here and try to try this, try to try this stealth driver uh three hundred yards. That's my goal today, three
0: hundred. I love it. Tyron, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon, okay? All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. A big thank you, of course, to Tyron Woodley for coming on the show. It's been a while since I had a chance to catch up with Tyron. So glad he's doing well, doing the golf thing, doing the acting thing. Uh, yeah, I think, of course, he's still not done with his fight career. He's got a lot going on. He just got engaged. So uh, I'm glad he's keeping busy and doing a lot of great things out there. He was one of the, you know, one of the kind of – First guys to really get into acting During his fighting career He got a lot of action scenes Uh, Like I mentioned during the interview Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He did uh, Straight Outta Compton and of course, now he's doing uh, Cobra Kai, so it's always cool to see Tyron pop up in those kind of things. And uh, you know, glad he's having a, a great career outside of the UFC. And, and I'm sure the other opportunities are going to come if he wants to fight again. Uh, there's going to be other, you know, other shows, other matches, things like that. But uh, he's keeping himself busy with acting and doing golf and things like that. So uh, glad Tyron's doing well. Uh, one of the good dudes in the sport, and I was real happy to catch up with him. Uh, for the show, and of course, Cobra Kai season five—it's on Netflix. I binged it this past weekend. Uh, watched every episode in like two days. Uh, couldn't wait. I love that freaking show. Uh, it's so much fun. And uh, if you're a fan of the Karate Kid, I mean, come on—if you haven't watched it already, I mean, come on. I mean, go binge it right now. Cobra Kai is freaking awesome. So uh, it—it was—it was fun to talk about the show but also to watch it this past weekend and see Tyron. I always get a little bit geeked out when I see fighters I know you know, get roles like that. And of course Tyron was in there. Uh, Wonderboy Actually Eric Anders is also in the new season of Cobra Kai. Um he plays a small part in uh, in one of the early episodes and then uh, Wonderboy's also got a part, a small part. Uh, Tyron is in more of the episodes than, uh, than Eric or wonder boy. He's in most of the season. He shows up. I want to say like this, it's in 10, 10 episodes and he shows up in five or six episodes. So, uh, Tyron's got a, a beefier part, but wonder Boy's also in there. And Eric Anders is also in there, which is really cool. Um, all right. Want to say a big thank you, of course, to Tyron Woodley for doing the show. Uh, we'll be back next week with more fighter versus the rider. Lots more coming, uh, lots of events coming up, of course. Uh, going into October uh, with uh, UFC 280, huge fight coming up there, lots of fight night cards, we're going to have Mackenzie Dern on the show coming up, she's got a fight October 1st, and of course uh, this weekend, Corey Sanhagen and Song Dong, as I mentioned, if you missed my interview with Corey Sandhagen, he'll be uh, that's last week's podcast of Fighter vs. the Riders, so check that out with Corey Sanhagen uh, as we talk about his fight with Sonja Dong, uh, Aljamain Sterling vs. Um, TJ Dillashaw and pretty much the lay of the land at, Welter at uh, Bantamweight, excuse me, so Uh, Go check that out if you get a chance at some point. That's over available on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, and, of course, over on MMAfighting.com. I want to say a big thank you, as always, to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the fighter versus the rider. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Media Podcast Network.